1: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net.
0: Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hey, Shelby. Hey, Austin.
1: Are you ready to talk about some Dragon Age?
0: I'm super duper ready.
1: So we have a very, very special guest with us. So who's our guest, Shelby?
0: Um, Well, today, E.K. Johnston is with us to talk about Dragon Age. Welcome. Hi.
1: So we primarily know you from we've read everything you've written about Star Wars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. Except for your new book that is coming out. But um, we're very excited for that. But I got this idea because I was trolling Twitter. And I saw you tweeting about Dragon Age. And I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. What a great like crossover. And <laughs> talking about Dragon Age. And so we asked this to every guest that we ever have on the show. But like, what drew you to Dragon Age? And like, what keeps you coming back?
2: So I am really bad at video games. I feel like I should open with that. And in the household, when I was growing up, my mom was like super anti video games. Like we received a family PlayStation one. That's how long ago it was. We received a family PlayStation one for Christmas, the year that I was 16, it was to be shared between all four of the kids, two of whom did not live at home anymore, but it was addressed all four of us. And my brother who's 26 at the time goes, oh my God, there really is a Santa. Like that's how unbelievable it was (laughs) that there was a PlayStation in our house. (sighs) So I just never learned, like I'm one of those people that like moves the controller to like make myself jump farther, like that kind of stuff. And, um, but I became aware uh, mostly when Mass Effect 3 came out and there was that whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. that the storytelling in video games was different than I expected. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking Mm -hmm. like Super Mario level storytelling. I didn't realize that it went deeper than that. So I watched a friend play through all of Mass Effect. We did all three games. I made the dialogue choices. She did all the aiming, which is what I am bad at. And then in like, I guess it was 2018, I finally bought my first television. And then I was like, I don't have anything that plays DVDs. Should I buy, like, I wasn't going to buy DVD players. Like, should I buy an Xbox or a PlayStation? Like, I feel like at this point it would be a good, a good. So I bought myself an Xbox and I went to the used game store and they had all three Dragon Ages and all three Mass Effects. And so I bought them for like 80 bucks. And the guy was like, oh, Bioware fan. And I was like, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so uh, yeah, so I bought all three
2: Dragon Age games. I knew like, one individual fact about each game before I started playing it. Uh, Actually, I don't think I knew anything about Dragon Age Origins. Did I know anything about Dragon Age Origins? I don't think I did. The thing I knew about DA2 was that it was super easy to romance Anders, Mm -hmm. that was all I knew. And going into Inquisition, um, all I knew was that most of my friends had this like deep hatred of (laughs) Blackwall. Oh no! (laughs) and I didn't know why but that was it that was all I knew so I played them totally blind I live tweeted the whole experience it was like the most amazing thing it was probably the my favorite thing I've ever had on the internet I went on tour for Queen's Shadow in the middle of my Dragon Age Inquisition playthrough it was beautiful like I don't think readers I don't think I talked to a single person about Queen's Shadow the whole time I was on tour it was just Dragon Age all the time it was amazing um like I had to I was in the middle of like a really important plot point. I had to go to Star Wars Celebration. Like it was just like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and uh, I love it. And I keep going back, I'm on my fourth complete, this is, I just started uh, a couple days ago actually, my fourth playthrough of Inquisition. So I've done all the games four times now. Um, and I I just like, I replay Dragon Age Origins so that I can do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. Um, And then I replay Dragon Age 2 with this like futile hope that maybe this time I'll be able to do something different, Mm. which of course you never can. Yeah. And then Inquisition, I just find it like, I just love talking to people and helping people. (laughs) And so like most people complain about the hinterlands and I'm like, oh, I'm out of quests in the hinterlands. I'm somewhere else now. (laughs) That is
3: inquisition
1: so is the game to help people if you love helping I love, people I love, I love, I love that it. is the game for you da2 so you try to help people and they resort to blood magic yeah so, every time you know. every
0: time yeah or they'll try to kill you yeah yeah, yeah. there's no that there's no good way out that one.
1: so do you have any favorite uh characters companions you could do um, from all the
2: games or <laughs> so uh alistair is probably like my my favorite character in the game. That's not me. Like, ob- I think it's weird because people are like, who's your favorite character? I'm like, I'm my favorite character in the game, clearly. <laughs> um, like, my warden is my favorite. And then my inquisitor and my hawk, I go back and forth depending on usually which part of the game I'm playing. Mm. Um, I love my warden. But of the people I am not in charge of, um, I love Alistair. Um, I love Sarah and Cassandra. Um, and I love the arc that Liliana gets
3: mm-hmm.
2: um even though she's not a character I spend a ton of time with um usually because <laughs> I'm always romancing Alistair um so it's it's a lot of uh I, l- I love the arc that she has and the, the development for storyline I
0: think it's fantastic mm-hmm. totally agree we did her um we did a deep dive on her a couple weeks ago um and I really agree with that and I also love Cassandra. She's she's like my number one favorite. The only reason I would ever play through is a dude. Yes, yes, yes. That was my second playthrough of uh, Inquisition was for that reason.
2: <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but it's like someday. Oh, it's so good. Someday I'll it's run so out of good. characters and then I'll do my dude
3: Cassandra. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, I'm
1: a Fenris stan. That's my all-time yeah, favorite character. You
3: are. It's, that's called pain.
1: Yes, so me... I have a very, very deep dislike for Anders. Um, <laughs> just because, well, this is a strange fact. and Anders is the only companion to approve if you give Fenris back to slavery. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've
2: never done it. So I, didn't, <laughs> right,
3: right.
1: I just read about it. I've never done it. Uh, it's, that's one of those things like not curing the genophage that I'll never do. I'll never yeah, give yeah, Fenris. Yeah. To, yeah. Um, But yeah, so, and then... I didn't know that. My relationship with Anders is traumatizing.
2: So, yeah, so I have to tell you, uh, my relationship with Anders is also slightly traumatizing. Um, I, first of all, I hate (laughs) this. I'm I'm romancing him this time, and it was, like, the hardest thing I've ever done. (laughs) You have to, like, like be long enough to seal this, and then we can go back to do whatever we want. Um, I just find him really frustrating, and I think the reason... I find him really frustrating. One, I always play as a rogue. So all through part one, he refers to Bethany as an it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I just hate him.
3: <laughs> and, I hate that.
2: Um, he's also like, he has several chances to undergo personal growth. And he takes none of them. <laughs> um, which I find frustrating. But when it comes to Anders, it's funny because I, I totally reminds him of my first playthrough. Because um, i would met him in Awakenings and mm-hmm. so i was like oh, i like this guy you know he seems pretty cool uh so i romanced him and about like four days into my playthroughs so, like i was well into act two at this point um i tweeted possibly the best thing i have ever tweeted in my life which was i just have to say I find the Kirkwall Chantry really unnerving. I just don't like it. Like I don't know if it's the candles or the music, but I really hate it. And I don't think you can kill a building.
3: Oh no! And there was like well, wow.
2: <laughs> like usually people like like my tweets when I'm live tweeting because they all know I'm playing without spoilers like dead silence crickets like nobody likes this tweet nobody does anything i was like this is weird um and then like three days later i was like oh my god this is the most amazing thing i've ever said (laughs) like i had some great ones when i was starting to make predictions towards the end of of inquisition but oh my god i was like can't believe that just happened <laughs> it was the best the best thing i've ever tweeted i don't think you can kill no. a goblin. you can't, you talk can't. T- turns out um, you can yeah yeah it turns out <laughs> you can but no even the first time when i romanced anders i stabbed him
3: mm. afterwards
2: um i always do uh whether uh he's my friend or not um i always stab him so i like to feel like that's like the kind of the, the closest to a midline you can get um i did have to kill fenris the first time which was traumatic um, I, I have a gift for picking, like if there's three dialogue options, that will be the good, the good ending, and one that will screw you over. I excel at picking that one; like, I'm <laughs> really good at it. Uh, so I did have to kill Fenris the first time through, um, but we get better.
1: Uh, <laughs> you live yeah. and you learn. <laughs> Killing Anders is the only gut reaction in a video game I've ever made. Are you for <laughs> real? yeah like most of the time i can play because like playing D &D and all those things i can detach myself pretty well from the game but just like where i was in life and what was going on when i was playing dragon Age 2 watching that betrayal was just too deep and i just got like (laughs) (laughs) that's
3: it gut reaction
2: you're done i think i think like all of my reactions are gut reactions like i'm actively trying on this inquisition playthrough to play through i'm an elf for the first time so I'm like actively trying to be like someone who is like caught up in this cause that they don't believe in, but like they have the option to do some good, which lasted for like 10 seconds. So um I'm like, oh no, I'll just disagree with all the Andrastians and call <laughs> <laughs> it. Right. But uh but it it was it's I all I always play through and it it um it was a whole thing the first time I played um because i had made a truly atrocious decision um that i didn't realize was going to be that bad and uh basically we got to the lands meet and it was like super emotional and i was like okay you have that option again excel at picking the one bad thing so you have that option at the end of the lands meet where it's like alistair is king Mm -hmm. alistair is king and i'm the queen honora is the queen." Alistair and Anora get married Mm -hmm. and I was like we have all made a lot of decisions today so I'm just gonna put Alistair on the throne and then we'll worry about everything afterwards he dumps you immediately I was playing Mm -hmm. as a human Kuslin it's almost impossible to get dumped as a human Kuslin oh wow yeah he dumped me there are four dialogue options three of them two of them resulted him taking you back one of them resulted him taking you back as his mistress the fourth one is like it's over. It's done. I picked the fourth one again. I was no. like, oh my god. So I took Liliana and Wynn and the dog. So like my bestie and my grandma and the dog. And I went and I did the last Slim Cauldry mission where you just chop a bunch of people's heads off because I had that spinny thing by that point. So you like spin <laughs> yeah. around and like people's heads. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I just I was crying the entire time. And then I was like, I was just like ugly crying, ugly crying. I was like, I have to call Emma, like I'm so upset. (laughs) And then I was like, it is one o'clock in the morning and this guy is fictional, like I can't call Emma. (laughs) So I cried myself to sleep, didn't play the game for four days. And I was like, oh my God, it was so funny. And like Emma, when she finally like talked to me about it on Monday was like, you you know, you can go back and do it again. I was like, no it's he's not the chosen thing. if chosen Ferelden <laughs> then Ferelden will have him uh, so the, ne- the next like three times obviously I was like damn right I'm queen I'm <laughs> 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 making
3: this mistake again exactly
0: <laughs> yeah that I had a similar experience um in Origins when I played through the first time because I um I didn't look up a guide I didn't look up anything and like I'm new to Dragon Age 2 um so, or newer at least, and um, I was like, okay, well, I want Alistair um, to be king, but I also think it would be a good strategic idea if we make Logan a Grey Warden because that'll be good redemption for him, and plus we could always use more wardens, and then Alistair is, like, furious,
3: yeah. <laughs> and it just did not end well for me. No. And did you I have had to, to kill, him? kill Alistair? I did. Yes. It was so sad. <laughs>
0: I wasn't romancing him. I was romancing um, Liliana, so that was at least okay. But I was so upset, and I had just had to kill Zevran too, and it was, it was terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so
3: that was my That's first amazing. playthrough. Yeah,
2: I I have always managed to bring Zevran around, which is fortunate. Mm. I think I would be mm-hmm. upset if I had to kill Zevran. Yeah, he's mm. one of my faves. As I say, I did leave him a warden one time, so that I would have to make the Alistair Hawk choice. Um, but then I'm I just played. On that. But then I just played through as a trash hawk. It's the only time I've ever picked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I've done all. Of, well, thank God for the keep, um, yes. because I've done. I've taken every warden into the fade just to hear. Like, I what find it. Say. Yeah, and I find it fascinating what the fear demon says to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I've done that. But what I was going to say is kind of like, we've talked a lot about the characters. Do you have like a canon romance for each of your protagonists?
2: Um, I guess Alistair, pro- Alistair for sure, for my warden. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dragon Age 2, I don't think I do. Um, I, the only character I have left for romance is Sebastian. And I'm like, I'm going to do it, no. even though it's terrible. <laughs> um, he's the worst. He's the worst. He's terrible. Um, uh. And then I guess in Inquisition, I also don't really have a canon one. Um, in all of my playthroughs, so the first playthrough I married Sarah, and then the second playthrough I romanced the Iron Bowl, and the third playthrough I romanced Blackwall until he dumped me, and then I romanced Cullen so that I could like kill two birds <laughs> with one stone, like it's very strategic, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but then I married Cullen. Um, but in every single ending, um, my Inquisitor always ends up being a Jenny so, um, I guess that's like the canon. <laughs> my canon relationship with my inquisitors, like the road, uh, yes. the road and the the um, Either way. So.
1: so, our next question is obviously you are you write for Star Wars and other books and things. So, what from Dragon Age, from a narrative perspective, what do you think is the most compelling?
2: <sighs> I think for me, what's the most compelling is the unreliability of the historical narrative. Hmm. So when you go back, for example, and you listen to Morgan tell the story of her mother, tell the story of Flemeth, you're like, oh, my God, every single part of this is true. It just took place over a much longer time period than we were aware of, because when you get the rest of it from Solace later on, um, it's like this huge difference. And even though it's also kind of the same and like her relationship with the elves and how she became a fall in the first place and like all that kind of stuff. And um, I love the like complete unreliability of literally everything. <laughs> like, um, and I also think, uh, so that that just makes sort of like an interesting place to tell stories an interesting world to tell stories. But I think the thing that makes um, for fascinating individual and personal stories, um is that pretty much every single system they've ever implemented in Thetis was a good idea at the time Mm. um but it has become really bad Mm (laughs) so uh like right from like the veil right on down to like the Templars like everything that they've ever tried to do worked and then it just got like it had too many secrets or it got like too involved in itself or whatever. And it just got slowly perverted over time. So you still have people like Colin and Cassandra who are like, or even Liliana, who are like committed to this ideal, um, but the mm. actual thing doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, and I, I think that makes, cause you get personally invested um, in, in the characters and their development. And I hope that we get something similar with the Kune.
3: Um mm.
2: I don't know if we will, but I think it would be interesting to get Something similar um, with the cune because it's really the only system that hasn't started to like self question yet. Mm. Um, there's obviously a lot of questioning going on from the outside and a couple right. exalted marches, but um, within the actual context of the cune itself, the people who are in it don't have questions mm.
3: ever.
0: That's, that's a really good point. And I think the whole unreliability of the narrative and the historical information, like, it really leads to some fascinating character development. Like, and I always think primarily of Cassandra because she's my favorite, but also because, like, we just see her wrestle with her faith so much in Inquisition. And that makes a character so much more real than, like, anything else you could do.
2: One thing that I'm looking forward to on this playthrough of Inquisition, um, so don't tell me, um, I'm playing through the Dalish elf, and I picked Mithal mm-hmm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, while I'm here, I might as well do the solace romance, even though. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I am gonna do it, and I know there's that scene coming, um, with the vasoline. Mm-hmm. But I don't know any of the details, so I'm super excited to kind of get there and figure out what because I I'd, I'd be like I'm not even gonna say like what my character's reaction is, it's definitely gonna be like what my reaction is gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see something that like because I I love the idea that it was something that was cruel and then the Dalish elves made it part of their identity not realizing what the origin was Mm -hmm. and so I think there's an argument to be had that like for like reclaiming something right like oh we're taking this back for ourselves um and I think it's, it's really interesting that the Dalish have it and so I'm really interested (laughs) to see how I feel when I get to that part of the story Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and I have I actually I'm making my way through a soulless romance for the first time right now too um so I haven't done that part either and I kind of think right now it's um that whole aspect of of the Dalish taking that practice is kind of an interesting reversal of like all of these systems that were good and now are bad. It's like kind of a reversal of that. Um, so sure. I
1: think I really liked w- about the unreliable historical narrative, and we talk all the time about like how Solus is not a reliable narrator, um, mm-hmm. and that he At might not, he might not outright lie, but he's not telling the truth. No, uh, no. and that just kind of like I really like that device that Bioware does a lot in its gameplay of. A lot of the information and historical information you're given is from an in-game perspective. There isn't kind of that like third point of view narrator. Mm -hmm.
2: I like to imagine that he's telling the truth on two fronts. One, he was really pissed off when Mythal died. Hmm. And two, he did actually create the veil. I love the Mm -hmm. idea of, I'm a synthesis player for Mass Effect. (laughs) Which I think puts me in a interesting. Dis- which I think puts me in a distinct <laughs> minority. Um, but I definitely think of the synthesis ending and like what people are going to say about Shepard in two thousand years, um, mm. based on you know what happened with the synthesis ending. And I think about that in context with Solus a lot. Except Shepard doesn't have to stay around to watch, <laughs> right, um, right. whereas Solus literally watches the whole world change. And then he views it as lesser, even though everybody mm-hmm. else is fine. Um, and he just has this like overwhelming drive to put it back, even though it's not fixing anything.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome point.
1: Both have heavy green overtones. Yeah. But- yes. So
3: true. Ooh, so true. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> <How's that? laughs> So if magically, somehow, the execs at BioWare and in their storytelling group said, Kate, will you write us a Dragon Age novel? What would you want to write about?
2: Well, first of all, there wouldn't be any magic involved. My agent is actively pursuing them. Yes. Yes. Um, So I do have an idea that I'm not going to tell you about. Uh But um, (laughs) I, I, there's so, the lore is so deep. In Dragon Age, mm-hmm. um, that I, I think it is a prime target for YA, um, which is what I what I choose okay. to write. Like I would write an adult novel maybe someday, but my primary choice is always to write mm-hmm. young adult novels. Um, and coming off of Queen's Hope um and you know the Padme trilogy um I really feel like my name has some recognition in the writing fantasy girl politics uh Mm -hmm. circle and there's a poem uh attached to a bed in Val Royo called the three Mm little empresses and I want it
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) awesome well that's amazing I um crossing my fingers that all of
3: that happens yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: You have at least awesome. two people who would buy it. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh-huh.
1: That's true. So Bioware is not unfamiliar to Star Wars as <laughs> they did the first Nights of the Old Republic game and the Old Republic MMO. Um, which well, they still
3: do that, right?
1: Do they still been... add more to that? Yeah, they're still support, they're still doing stuff for that. Um, I don't think it's anything, they're not officially licensed, I guess, by Disney, or I don't know how that works or whatever. But so Dragon Age contains a little bit of Star Wars Easter eggs in there. Um, They always make me laugh. Yes. I think of one that thing that I like to think that the fact that their God is called the maker is a nod to Star Wars, (laughs) just so they could say, thank the maker. Yeah. Um, So apparently when you unlock the door to rescue Anora, she says, aren't you a little short for a guard? which is what (laughs) Leia says to Luke. Yeah. Um, There's an armor in Origins that's called, uh, the pieces of it is called Shadow of the Empire, which is an offshoot kind of like parallel video game back from the 90s that follows the time between Empire and Jedi. So there, and there's a book too. Aveline calls, when you're walking around at night, she calls a hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. (laughs) Every city needs an outlet. Uh, when you're in the hangman. <laughs> Meryl and Hawk share the iconic, I love you. I know. Ryan. I love that. Yes. This one I think is really interesting, which is this. Now we're in Dragon Age Inquisition. Cole has a dialogue that says he was their enemy the whole time, but she made him forget. So he could change. You could argue that this is about Bioware's Star Wars games, Nights, the Old Republic in Revan and what happens with Bastila and all of that could also be referencing Solus if is in whether that's Solus and Mythal or yeah. that's Solus and a elf inquisitor.
2: Yeah. It's, uh there's definitely, I, I love that stuff about like geek stuff in general, mm-hmm. um, the overlaps, because everything, everybody's a fan of everything else. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. We we all love a good Easter egg. So um They, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head if I like deliberately put a Dragon Age thing into any of the Padme books, but I probably, there's probably something unintentional. Like someone will be like, oh, is this from Dragon Age? I'll be like, yeah, I definitely did that one on purpose. (laughs) Looks like Um, I'm (laughs) rereading. Um, Etherbound, actually, my most recent sci fi is my most Dragon Age ish Mm -hmm. book. Um, which is to say not at all but in my head like that's what I was thinking about when I was writing it I'm always terrible at giving comps for stuff like that because I'm like oh yeah this is super my Dragon Age book and it just means that I was like playing Dragon Age while I wrote it (laughs) not that I like filled it with references or character archetypes
3: (laughs) that one is on my list for reading this year but I haven't gotten to it yet so
1: and the last one is Cole will also say in his dialogue Cole has the best line sometimes he, does, he, does, he, does. he says he didn't kill his father he was his father which <laughs> spoilers darth vader is luke's
3: father.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fantastic those are all really good and i think there are a few more i didn't put them all in there uh, but these are the, like the most obvious ones but i i have never heard Aveline say that um going into the hanged man or at the hanged man or whatever um. So now I'm like, I just want to replay DA2. So you can hear that.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and do our little mid break. And then we'll come back and get into our character deep dive on Sarah.
3: So I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. I'm
2: listening.
1: Ah, you've returned. A letter arrived for you. Hello, welcome to the middle of the show where we tell you all about what's happening in the show. Uh, we want to obviously point out our Patreon where you can come and support us and be with us. And if you like what we do support us at various tiers, you can go, the link is in the description. If you want to hang out with us, talk with us, chat with us about anything Dragon Age, you can join our discord server. Also the link found in the description. There you can also show us your heroes, hawks, and heralds, um, which we will read aloud in the show. If you can't support us financially, we totally get that. We understand that. But you can also just leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you leave a five-star review and leave us some kind words, we'll read them out on a future episode of the show. Shelby, do we have anything to share today?
0: I don't have a review today, um, but I will read out the names of all of our patrons. Oh, yeah. and you forgot, but that's okay. Um, so our patrons are Lisa M., Genesis, Derek B., Fletcher M., and Zuba. Thank you all so much for being our patrons. We're so thankful for you. And y'all really make um, us able to continue doing this show. So we're super thankful for y'all.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, so let's get back into it. Let's do it. All right my friend
3: you fear barbarians will swoop down upon you yes swooping is bad
1: yeah this is gonna be fun so shelby i've been talking a lot this episode it's your turn Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) um well i always begin um the lore part with some fun facts about whatever we're talking about Just because I think it's fun and you can find a lot of Dragon Age trivia online if you're looking. So, um, there are a lot of fun facts about Sarah, which I think is fitting because I think you can argue she's the most fun character in Dragon Age. Um, so, Sarah is 100% 100 completely self-taught with her bow. And she has exceptional skill for being just self-taught, um... She was also in Denerum during the fifth blight, so I have a headcanon. This is my personal headcanon. This is not canon, but I'm going to share it because I I fully believe that it happened. I think that Sarah, because she was an orphan, I think she lived in the Denerum orphanage that you can go to in the alienage that's haunted. And the reason why I think that is because she talks about spending time, I think in some offhanded comment, um, spending time in an orphanage and she has this deep, deep aversion to magic. So what better place for her to learn an aversion to magic in a place that's haunted. So that's my personal headcanon about Sarah. So when you first meet Sarah, she's super open that she doesn't like anything Elven. She's not Elfie. That's her words. Um, and she doesn't even really consider herself to be elven, which we'll get into why a little bit later. Um, she also hates Solus from the get-go. Um, I also was the same on that. And if you are an elven inquisitor, you really have an uphill battle um, with her. And then Sarah loves pranks. One of her personal quests is going around Skyhold, pranking all of your advisors, which is hilarious. If you've never done it, I really recommend it. Um, Mary Kirby, who is a writer at Bioware, describes her as tequila and Skittles, which makes no sense, but also at the same time, 100% completely makes sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. <laughs>
1: tequila um, and skittles
0: it just it just fits those are the vibes she puts out 100 <laughs> percent um and then sarah cuts her own bangs um with a knife which is why they are uneven and messy and then my last fun fact is that she is at least a head taller than every other elf in dragon age inquisition except for solas they are both very tall elves Um, which is interesting and reminds me of another, uh, headcanon that I've seen on Reddit that Sarah is, uh, the God, the elven goddess Andriel, um, reincarnated. I don't know if that's legit, but, um, it's an interesting theory for sure.
2: I noticed that about the elves because when I played through an origin as
0: an elf, I was like, oh my God, I'm so short all the time. Mm
2: -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but I don't feel short as a Talish Inquisitor
0: no you don't you don't at all Um, yeah it's it's interesting and I think uh, when you when I at least when I'm around Meryl going into her house I also feel like I am large in this space Um, but I don't feel that at all Um, my usual go to party is Blackwall um, a mage and either Sarah or Varric And the only person I feel like who is short is Varric. So,
2: yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel the -hmm. same way.
0: Well, let's get into the general biography of Sarah a little bit. So, Sarah is one of the companions from Inquisition. She is one of two elves and she's an archery rogue. She is romanceable by female inquisitors only. And as a young child, like I mentioned earlier, Sarah was orphaned. She was also caught stealing as a young child, presumably after her parents died. And she doesn't really remember much of her childhood, but she does remember growing up around the alienage in Denerim, which you can experience in Origins. After her parents died, Lady Teraline Imold, a sick and barren human woman, took her in and became her patron and foster mother. Lady Imold died well before the Blight, um, and Sarah inherited the estate, but she rejected it and the money, of course, that came with it. Um, so Sarah becomes part of the Red Jennies after this, after Lady Imold dies, um, but before the start of Inquisition. We don't really know the the exact timeline on that. But I want to talk about Lady Imold a bit because I really think that she influences so much of Sarah's life. So she was kind of like her adopted mother, um, but she also did a lot of damage to Sarah. And there's a moment between Sarah and the Inquisitor, if your approval is high enough, where Sarah will surprise you, the Inquisitor, with a picnic on the roof. It's super cute. During the picnic, Sarah tells you a story about her childhood and specifically about Lady Imald. Apparently, Lady Imald repeatedly lied to Sarah throughout her childhood about being able to make cookies. Imald was not actually able to bake, and so she purchased cookies for Sarah from a bakery nearby. But she lied to Sarah about this and pretended that they were her own cookies. And to keep Sarah away from the bakery, Imald told her that the baker hated all elves. Obviously, Sarah's going to discover the truth because she's Sarah, and she refused to eat cookies anymore after this and now, in the present day, she refers to them as pride cookies because they remind her that Lady Imald's pride was so large that she lied and made Sarah feel less than because of her race. I think this is a huge moment for Sarah; it affects her views on elves. It affects her views on herself. It makes her realize a lot of Imold's microaggressions and even just like outright hostility. Um, and it also makes her realize that Imold took Sarah in in order to make herself feel better, not because she cared for Sarah and felt bad for her. Um, it
2: has like, it has big, like nice white lady adoptions. Yes, 100%.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of someone who goes on a mission trip to Africa and adopts a baby and comes home. And it's like, Oh, look at my baby. It, like, it's just icky. It's just icky. Um, and I, I think this really shapes her outlook on life and her views about how big people manipulate little people thinking only of themselves and hurting anybody like that's in their path. Um, and then I think that really does lead her into working with the red Jennies. Um, I think, i think all these things are connected um and i i do i think it's really tragic um and it it feels like to me sarah has never had someone until she joins the inquisition who really loves her for her
2: yeah and i think it's kind of nice that even if you don't romance her she still gets for whatever he's worth blackwall um who is someone that respects her a great deal even though like he Mm -hmm. thinks she's insane but because she is (laughs) but like he their relationship is something that i find really interesting
0: yes i love to take blackwall sarah and solace together uh it's just hilarious
3: it's just hilarious (laughs) Um, It's just bullying Uh yeah 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 soulless that
1: is (laughs) yeah bullying soulless um I think about like Sarah and Blackwall I think one of the reasons that they mesh well together is that they both very much have this like motivation for helping the everyday people of Thedas and it's not that like Mm -hmm. Cassandra Cullen and all these Liliana like don't have that motivation but they're involved in this big political scheme and in this huge institution where Sarah and Blackwall are just there Uh, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and I think that they add a much needed perspective like the iron bull will do for you where he takes you to meet the people of the inquisition they're constantly saying like oh there's all this there's these everyday people there's people attached to these big causes that you're doing and Sarah uh very much for me reminds you of like you could very easily as an inquisitor get sucked into the nobility because you Mm -hmm. have to kiss you have to kiss their ass, basically, um, to get things done. And Sarah constantly reminds you of, no, they're not the good guys here.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's another We're thing t- about Sarah. T- I feel We're like-
2: trying to make some changes.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sarah, for me, is one of the few characters who actually realizes what's wrong with Thetis.
2: Yeah. Mm. She has um, a lot of really interesting dialogue at the beginning about little about like the servants and stuff like that. And so I like to imagine that post trespasser, she is furious for two reasons. One, because Solas got one up on her, Mm. just generally. (laughs) But two, the manner in which he did it, because he did it through Mm. the servants.
3: Mm. And
2: Mm. for me, I like to imagine that she just has like the biggest, because we know she holds grudges, right? So mm-hmm. she just has this like not necessarily guilt because I don't think Sarah feels guilty about things the way that other people do but she just has this like incredible burning resentment that not only did it happen but it happened in that way and it was mm. the list. like of everything that could have gone wrong it really kind of set up against her. So I, I like imagining Sarah after the Inquisition as being just like hell for leather all the time because (laughs) she like she didn't like him beforehand but now she's like not on my watch yeah um that's now canon for me yeah almost (laughs) like burn the world down in the opposite direction right like if yeah solace has burned the world down in one direction she's like burn the world down in the Mm -hmm. other direction because like she is pissed
1: I like to imagine she has an arrow with and name oh, yeah. carved in it and she just <laughs> carries it around like Jack Sparrow did with his yeah. one-piss, one-shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah,
2: for one.
3: And bees. Yeah. bees. bees. Oh, yes, of course.
0: Um, well, my last little fact about her um, in the biography section is what we're just talking about. She has a distinct hatred of nobles and pretty much all wealthy people, um, which you will know if you do her one of her personal quests where... You um basically have to kill the noble if you want her to be happy, um, or she does it for you, I think. Um, and I think it stems a lot from her childhood, but really just all of her experiences throughout life. Um, there's a lot of times in, in the game where she makes comments about little people, and that means regular, everyday people. Um, the everyday person of Thetis, like the person who works in The Hanged Man, or the person who you know, sweeps the streets of Kirkwall, if that even exists, like not the Viscount, not the divine, not these important people. Um, and I think these are the people that she really tries to help in her work with the Red Jennings.
2: Yeah, I think the other person she, she hates probably almost as much as Solace is Vivian. If you take mm. if you take them out together, um, eventually Vivian will say something like, oh, you dealt with this really well. And Sarah will realize that Vivian set it up so that she so like she, Vivian basically maneuvered the nobles into a red jenny situation. And then the red jennies did exactly what Vivian wanted them to. And Sarah's furious about it.
3: That's interesting. I've never heard that dialogue before. Yeah. Um the first oh, time I heard it I was like,
2: oh my God. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> It's, it's interesting a, i almost sure, never take vivian
2: anywhere so every time i play through the game i'm like i have to take vivian somewhere and i've learned yes. something fascinating about her I'm like, you're a terrible
3: person I love you. <laughs>
1: which is so funny because she doesn't hate josephine no
2: nope, she loves
3: Josie. no nope. um yep, if you true.
1: even if you are a human inquisitor you a Trevelyan, uh she doesn't hate you
2: yeah no she yeah She's, I, she likes you, but I just don't like her.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every, every
2: game I go in and I'm like, I'm going to be nicer to Vivian this time. And then she says something and I'm like, you're the worst.
3: Right. Um, <laughs> They're all the worst though. That's the best part. They're all the that, worst. Yeah, that's true. Everyone yeah. has major character flaws, which I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: Interesting for me is that Dorian is the only one that Sarah likes who she can end up not hating. Or what who she, who she doesn't like where they kind of like have a like understanding middle yeah. relationship. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's just comes from Dorian's own perspective and that he's really there to like learn and experience the world. So yeah. Dorian starts in a place where he's open to different ideas and different changes.
2: I think And Vivian the, is
3: not that. And
2: Vivian's no. not for sure. I think the Iron Bull is interesting too, because he and Sarah just don't talk about it ever. Mm. Um. <laughs> They just, like, they only ever talk about work. And if you talk to Iron Bull about it, he said, he says that, like, you know, Colin and Cassandra would probably be fine under the QN because they like having assignments, but Sarah would probably die.
3: Yeah. And,
2: mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's not, it's not even, like, he doesn't hesitate. And I'm like, what do you guys Damn. talk about when we're not out in the field? Because, like, you can't talk about anything. She's super Androstian and crazy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And at that point in the game, he's still ben Hasroth so mm-hmm. it was really like it was really fascinating for me for their relationship because uh the the things that they must not talk about like consciously mm-hmm. never engage about um because she is just they're both immovable objects on that score mm-hmm. but somehow they become friends <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i think that's probably easier for for iron bull because he's probably used to that since you know he worked as a spy and all of that he's probably used to like at least pretending like he doesn't believe in the cune at least at some level so I I guess I could understand it that way Um, so let's move on a little bit to quotes and contributions Um, I brought two quotes from Sarah so I'll just read them out the first one is this she says someone little always hates someone big and unless you don't eat sleep or piss you're never far away from someone little, and I think that is so so true and so profound um for our world, not just thetis and then the second quote is this: "Bad things happen to bad people if we find someone not so bad, maybe he'll end up not so dead <laughs> uh and I just think that perfectly describes Sarah's motivation, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um. And then my two little, or not little, my two contributions of Sarah's are she is the first female companion who is an exclusive romance option um, for female protagonists only. And if you don't romance her, she starts a romantic relationship with Dagma, who she will affectionately, a- affectionately nickname Whittle, which I think is so cute. Maya. uh...
2: I, I, I romanced her the first time so I didn't find that out until my second playthrough and then I was like "Oh, poor Lace Harding she's always alone oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
3: have I love her so enough. much <laughs> I love Harding and I was so sad that she's not fully romancable like, no, she's this not even romancable like this- if you're a dwarf it's so unfair no. it's so unfair I so badly so badly
0: want there to be a dwarven full romance in da4 like we need it we need it we haven't had one yet and i need that i think i say that every episode like we need more dwarf content
3: please yep
0: okay so my last little section uh before we talk about our opinions is where is sarah now so after chorypheus's defeat the inquisitor can meet sarah before the exalted council She, um, Sarah, invites the Inquisitor to play pranks on people, of course, as she is wont to do, and uh, they basically throw pies at random people's faces, and afterwards they um, discuss any possible changes to the Inquisition once the council's over, and she invites the Inquisitor to be a Red Jenny, which I just think is so sweet, and I do it every time, too. Um, I've never turned her down. (laughs) Even, even yeah. when I was married to Colin, I was like, I just got married. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We could do
2: this together, Colin. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Colin would then... be down. Colin's totally he down would. for it. He would. He just, he just stays at his little hospital.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And yeah. every once in a while, Sarah mails him something dangerous.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, and then Mary Din, the bard, um, starts singing Sarah Was Never in trespasser and sarah literally destroys her instrument and calls the song creepy (laughs) which is just so funny to me like that's that's the perfect reaction sarah would have no i
2: it's my favorite song in dragon age that you hear Mm. um my favorite song that you don't hear is andraste's mabari which i like to imagine i like to imagine uh when you romance cullen there is in post-game, if you've romance Colin, there is a super innuendo-packed verse added to Andraste's Mabari that becomes very popular and in Ferelden taverns. <laughs> and Colin <Cullen>, like <laughs> hasn't been able to go to
3: a pub since. Like uh, he can only drink a health. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, I love, I love, oh.
2: I love. Sarah was never like I. I just got it finally, like because it unlocks automatically when you get her. Mm-hmm. Um, if you recruit her, the song unlocks automatically, so you have to keep going back into the bar until so Mary plays it. And every <laughs> time she starts it, I'm like, "Well, I'm here for the next three minutes."
3: Yeah, yeah, it's such a good one too. <laughs> I listened to that on Spotify the other day.
0: <laughs> oh, so if you romance Sarah, you get to get married and trespass her. Um, Cullen Mansers and Sarah Mansers I'm sorry but we're superior clearly <laughs> I was
3: like I she can't believe you don't get to
2: marry Cassandra even if she's not I the know. divine that's unfair that's so why would you even play this game as a dude
0: well in my playthrough I tried so hard to make Vivian the divine in that playthrough when, I'm, when I romanced Cassandra just because I wanted to see like what happened what she would do And I was unsuccessful and it kind of defaulted to Cassandra and I was heartbroken because she basically dumps you, spoiler alert, and it's just so sad. I was like, this is not
3: what I wanted at all.
1: (laughs) I get, in my head canon, the Inquisitor and Cassandra do get married, but it's a fact that Cassandra is such a sap for romance, she's not going to let her wedding be overshadowed by some political crap.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But still, I would still (laughs) okay so my
0: last little where are they now piece about sarah is in the end she did go back to her life as a red jenny and if cassandra or liliana is divine sarah offers the services of the friends of red jenny to the divine should the nobles get out of line which i just love that
1: the idea of liliana with the friends of red jenny in addition to all the other stuff that she has is honestly terrifying
3: terrifying that's so true (laughs)
0: um so we always end our character deep dives um with just talking about what we love about this character what we don't love about this character um and just generally our opinions so
2: i so the first time the first time i played (laughs) inquisition um i was like oh you know i'm probably gonna romance the iron bull because you can't romance James Vega in ME3 so Mm. yeah the the next Freddie Prince, (laughs) Jr. character um so I was like I was going to romance Bull. and then like literally she walked into the courtyard and I was like heart eyes like the whole thing and I was like (laughs) my god I hope she's romanceable and then she was and uh so like I again I had no idea what any of the characters were or anything like that um so I didn't even know she was going to be romanceful when I met her and uh when I finally got because I always take everyone's hard options every mm-hmm. time just in case also because I like being nice to people except Dorian because if you take his hard options you get disapproval points yeah, so I didn't
3: know that
2: yeah if you're a girl you get like disapproval points Well,
3: because
2: um, you're because it's very blatantly hitting on him like his are not mm-hmm. subtle <laughs> So other people's other people's are subtle anyway so um except Blackwell because you can soft block him into a romance as well which, yeah anyway so <laughs> I took everybody's hard options which meant I got like everybody's shovel talk which was hilarious um <laughs> and the but then I was like I was gonna romance Sarah and it was just so much fun <laughs> like, she's just so random and like everybody else has these like except for Cassandra has these like really serious like you know if you're gonna like seal the romance with this person, you have to like fight a duel or like kill a dragon or blah 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 whatever. But like all you have to do to romance Sarah is talk to all your friends. And then she's like, you told everyone we're dating. That's awesome. Like, oh my God, your standards are so low. (laughs) Uh, But Vivian is correct about what would finally get her to laugh. Um, which I which I always thought was funny. Yeah.
1: Colin, you just you know have to deal with the trauma and yeah thing of addiction Colin,
2: you just keep going back (laughs) you just keep talking to him and then you're like oh wait are we married that was sudden um but no I love I love Sarah's romance and I love the kind of um like when you're out when you're out in the field afterwards and people start hassling you
1: about it Mm -hmm. it's very funny yes Uh, I just
2: find her like I just find her so fun I think there's not a lot Like, I think they tried to make Isabella fun, but Dragon Age 2 is so depressing um, Mm. that it doesn't really work. And um, I think she's really like, as we were saying earlier, she's really like the only fun character in the whole franchise. Um, And I I love that about her, romancing or not. She's like, she's fun to hang around. Also, Mm. she brings the bees and I love the bees.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I when I first oh go ahead Austin I was gonna say
1: I was just gonna say I think that with Sarah being fun but like with Isabella Isabella is so outshined by Varric and like that's the first time Mm -hmm. we see Varric that it's hard to like okay yeah Isabella whatever ooh hilarious dwarf Uh, (laughs) um yeah but then like with Sarah as well like it's just really funny and like so lighthearted, which af- with such a serious game with like big consequences. It's a breath of fresh air, honestly.
2: Mm, yeah. I was finally paying attention or had the right combination of people that I got the full, because you have to have Sarah, the Iron Bull and Solace, um, pretty early in the game. And uh, the Iron Bull will ask how Sarah managed to get a whole hive of bees into Colin's practice dummy. <laughs> and she's like I don't remember I just did it and they were like and both Solis and I were like what are you talking about like that doesn't make any sense and she's like well yeah if you think about it you get stung and Solis is like that almost makes sense <laughs> like that's their whole approach to life if you think about it you get stung so she just yeah. doesn't think about it it's <laughs> yeah. like that that does almost make sense <laughs> solace that's the one thing you're correct about this game <laughs> like yeah I just have this lover that's hilarious
1: so, so i was just gonna say that solace sarah is the only one that solace will joke with um and yeah. there, there is a conversation that happens where sarah's like talking about the fade and solace is basically like you could have been to the fade and you'd never known it and sarah's like are you serious? Like, obviously, terrified. <laughs> and Solus is like, he, like, smirks and says, like, yeah. maybe you'll think twice before putting snakes in my sleeping whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I've never heard that one either. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's because you don't take Solus after you get out of the hinterlands.
3: Yeah. That is true. <laughs> <sighs> um,
0: well, I know there are a lot of people... I know there are a lot of people who don't like Sarah um, out there. And I, I I, didn't love Sarah the first time I ever played through just because I was an elf and she constantly picked fights with me. And um, which, you know what, I get it. But the way I like to think about it, it and I gained um, a much deeper understanding of Sarah after doing the research, but I definitely look at her now as like, through a trauma-centered lens. Like she has been through so much stuff and I think she is the youngest companion. So she's she's very young. She's like 19, 20, 21 um, in Inquisition. And so of course she's immature. Like every 19-year-old I've ever met was immature, you know? Um, so I I guess I just am looking at her with a little bit more grace than I used to um, or at least in my, my first couple playthroughs. Uh, yeah I think looking at her through the lens of trauma and everything that she's experienced helps me have more empathy for her as a character Um, I don't know if y'all have any thoughts about why people dislike Sarah
2: I know I did read somewhere um, at some point that like people were upset that the first like canonical lesbian in Dragon Age was so bigoted Mm -hmm. And I was like, the first canonical, literally everything in Dragon Age is super bigoted. Like, literally all of them. Um, And I think it's one of the things that I love about Dragon Age Inquisition is that it's this, like, rolling model of acceptable bigotry, like things that we'll accept. Mm -hmm. And so some people will accept Sarah hating elves, but they won't accept Vivian hating mages. Mm -hmm and you know solace being solace and cullen being he he goes on a journey but like originally Colin being cullen mm-hmm. and um so i think a lot of the time when people are like oh i don't like this character because of their character flaw which is the reason you're not supposed to like them mm-hmm. um i always think that's just as interesting because with the possible exception of like coal uh everybody in dragon age inquisition is super prejudiced against somebody Mm -hmm. um and it it just manifests in all these different ways and um i think some people understandably have more trouble dealing with self-loathing like you see in Vivian and like you see in Sarah and even to a degree in Solace because he really hates the (laughs) Dalish um but just the kind of idea of the the sort of evolution of what made this character this way um that every every character in Dragon Age has and I think not liking them because of the flaw they have is reasonable like if you didn't like her because you couldn't romance her like sorry that's that
3: doesn't count <laughs> right <No>. right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah that's a good point Austin what do you think about Sarah
1: I mean I liked Sarah Sarah's one of the few characters that normally I categorize DA comparers like okay they're better as a romance they're better as a friend uh, Sarah's mm-hmm. one of the few that I think you could you get benefits and there's good storytelling either way yeah. um One of my things that frustrates me about BioWare is that they lock so much like personal development behind a romance. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the biggest example is Ashley Williams in Mass Effect. Her moving forward, you don't get that unless you romance her. She doesn't get over her prejudice unless you're in that romance.
2: Um, She does because I played as a girl. Oh, but I also did romance Kaden. I didn't romance anybody because I knew I was going to romance Garris in game two. So I think that, ha- I think most people romance Kaden and she dies, right? Mm-hmm. Like most, most women romance Kaden yeah. and she dies. Whereas I was playing and I had like a whole crisis of faith and I picked Ashley because I legitimately liked her more. <laughs> and because Kaden was creepy. Yes. And, and then over the course of the next two games, Ashley does get that sort of personal growth. So you don't have to romance her, but you have to keep her alive, which in Mass Effect is kind of the same thing sometimes. Yeah, that's
3: true.
1: Um, And so there's just that. And then like a lot of Fenris is another example. Like you don't really get his whole him. He doesn't learn to be okay with mages as okay as Fenris can be with mages um, unless he's romancing Hawk and via Bethany or via a mage hop and so but Sarah you can do most everything without having to romance her and like you can be her friend as a woman and not romance her you can be her friend as a man and have that platonic relationship and that's one of the things I appreciate about Sarah yeah
2: -hmm. that's a good point Mm -hmm. sometimes I sometimes when I'm playing through I will admit I'm like what do dudes get out of this emotionally (laughs) do they just really like hitting people um (laughs)
3: Because,
2: like, the I do try to be friends with everybody for as long as possible.
3: Yeah. And sometimes coming. that's hard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do, yeah. I do think that that is one of the reasons that Dragon Age Inquisition isn't as liked by the, like, bro gamer mm-hmm. category. Because it's really hard to power game. in. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that because I'm playing Elden Ring right now, which is like, you... Just power game. That's how you play that game. Um, and so I can see that, like, it's really hard to, like, because you don't get to boost your stats when you level up. Yeah. Like in the oh, other yeah. games, you did, but you don't in Inquisition. And it's really hard to find, like, really foolproof, like, power gaming strategies that make you feel destructive, I guess.
3: I think I can only think of one, and it's with the Night Enchanter specialization. Yeah. yeah but they kind of patched that anyway. So yes, it no longer exists. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I see that, but like I, my favorite game is Dragon Age 2, but Inquisition is the one that I keep coming back to. Right. Uh, just because I feel like there's more to do and there's, mm-hmm. I feel like there's still stuff I haven't found and learned in that game.
2: I mean, the last time I played the third playthrough, I found the dungeon for the first time. I was like, I did wonder where we were keeping all these people
1: oh, oh yeah. in skyhold
3: yeah have you found the flower crown no <laughs> in inquisition yeah yep. uh-huh. okay so it's really complicated and i'll send you like a link to a okay. walkthrough but okay. basically um you have to jump on this rock in the emerald graves like 18 bajillion times until this voice says something else that's crazy and you're like what the heck um, and then it opens up a quest and you basically have to go this super back way underneath the uh, the fortress in the empires um, and do a bunch of other stuff. And then you get a flower crown as a reward.
1: Here, I'm going mm-hmm. to show you the picture.
2: No, don't show me the picture. I want to
3: find it.
1: Oh, oh never okay. mind
2: then. I <laughs> won't you. do that. Thank you. <laughs> do, do tell me how to do it, but don't show me what it is.
3: <laughs> yeah, <Austin> either, like. <laughs> um, it takes forever but it's okay. so cute it's okay. so cute
2: what i will do is i will just that'll be one of the quests that i bring dorian and bull on because that just will get them closer to hooking up because that takes forever and we usually sure, end up we usually so end long. up parking them on the hissing waste somewhere while i'm like doing something yep. else entirely
3: yep mm-hmm. i've done that exact thing <laughs> <laughs> And it's always missing wastes. I don't know why it's always It always, always is. It's, always it's because things. it takes forever, yeah. forever to yeah. walk in that um in that area. I don't know why it's so big.
1: And no one uses horses.
3: No, because they don't no, because they suck. Horses. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I bought because I bought it secondhand. I didn't realize, but I bought like the ultra mega everything included, blah blah mm. blah, whatever version so like it comes with trespasser it comes with the other two dlc's like all that kind of stuff and it comes with all these like extra horses so i if i have to use a horse um i take the fell beast um Mm -hmm. which is my favorite so every every playthrough as soon as i get the horses i change the forder out for the (laughs) for the undead unicorn and um I always post a picture of it with like, I got my pony or something like that. And then someone always calls me, like, what Eldritch horror is that? And
3: I was like, how dare you say that about my pony? <laughs> Have you ever seen the Nug pony? Yes, it's terrifying. <laughs> that one's my fave. Nug <laughs> is so creepy. Sometimes I
2: use the horse in, cr- oh, no, not press with the Fallowmire because I hate the Fallowmire.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah um, it's not my fave.
2: But uh, yeah, usually wait and do the Falomire when I'm like level 18. <laughs> Just like steamroll
1: through
3: yeah. it.
1: Yep. <laughs> I do I do think that's a Star Wars thing where we look at things that are supposed to be monsters and we treat them <laughs> <laughs> like babies.
3: Yeah. Ooh, it's so cute. I want. <gasps> oh,
1: the ranker is one yep. that
3: comes to mind. Yep. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The baby ranker. <laughs> well, do we have anything else to add about Sarah? I don't Not really. I don't think so. Not really. Well, thank you so much for joining yes. us. This, no problem. Awesome. this is fun. Anyway, we normally let all of our guests promo like where our listeners can find you, what stuff you've got upcoming, all that kind of stuff. So,
2: okay, uh, so I am at ek underscore johnston on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm very bad at TikTok. Um, <laughs> and then I am ek johnston without underscores because you can't have underscores on Tumblr um uh ekjohnston.ca is my website uh queen's hope the third book in the uh padme trilogy i guess i think we're calling it officially i don't know um comes out on april 5th which is yay five sleeps from that six it's very close and i am very very frenetic about that right now. <laughs> um, but it was really lovely to come and talk to you guys. I love Dragon yes. Age
3: so much. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. No yes. problem.
1: Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at da lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time! Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the Lands Between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mickelah. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the
3: Lands Between. Again, that's the Elden Archives from Softlordcast. Available everywhere.